0: Hey, did somebody call for backup? What's up, Prodigies, and welcome back to Call for Backup, a Prodigal Son podcast from Nerds and Beyond. Grab that golden ticket, we mean key card, because we're about to escape into Season 2, Episode 4 Prodigal Son. If you're not caught up, this is your big spoiler warning. Come listen to us once you've watched on Fox Now or Hulu. At the taping of this episode, the final two episodes of Season 1 are expiring, so make sure to check them out on Fox Now before they're gone and the first four episodes of season two are now on hulu joining me this week are several of our nerds beyond writing team but first let me introduce myself if you don't already know i'm kaylee and i'm a staff writer at nerds you can find me on social media at kaylee gross for this episode i am joined by kennedy megan and my co-host jules so thank you guys for joining this week kennedy is providing a quick recap of the episode Jules will be leading the discussion of our favorite noteworthy moments and helping to discuss our theories. And of course, we'll have our weekly Malcolm Danger Count led by myself and Jules. But don't worry, I'll end the episode with a nice dose of reflection for the week ahead with the motivational affirmation or quote. Before we begin, I'll let the other staff members introduce themselves and explain what they do for nerds. I'm
1: Megan, I'm a staff writer, and you can find me on Twitter at Marvel Stalina. Hey
2: guys, I'm Kennedy. Um, I'm an editor and writer at Nerds and
1: Beyond, and you can
2: find me over on Twitter
3: at KennedyBunch. And I'm Jules, I am an editor, writer, and content assistant, and you can find me on Twitter at JulesWritesBlog.
2: This week on Prodigal Son, the death of our beloved inmate, Jerry, R.I.P. Jair Bear takes the team to Claremont as Malcolm, Danny, Adresa, and Gil try to suss out just who was behind his murder. Martin's escape plan continues full throttle while a suspicious Malcolm balances working the case and working out some personal issues with his father. Meanwhile, in the Whitley household, Jessica and Ainsley begin to put together the pieces about what really happened on that dreadful night that Nicholas Endicott was murdered. Alexa, play renegade because the jig is up. To read a more in-depth summary of what went down this week on Prodigal Son, make sure to check out our recap on nerdsandbeyond.com.
3: Okay, and now it is time to talk about some of the moments from the episode that we liked, some of our reactions. A lot went down in this episode, and we had some pretty heavy stuff to discuss, so we'll save that for the end because we have some hilarity to get to first. First of all, possibly the best music choice this show has ever made giving us three minutes of martin's day along with destiny's child i mean i i I was speechless i was stunned it was everything i ever wanted from this show what did you guys think when you first saw that
0: i um was cracking up but my immediate thought was like you know how the song is called survivor but i'm like oh his victims can't say the same that's my first thought (laughs) oh that's why I was like I'll see myself (laughs) out but um other than that I thought it was hilarious and almost like he is on just like this continuous cycle like it's the same thing every day like oh the cook today made this you know bunch of slap whatever just (laughs) on the tray um but I thought it was hilarious as usual I mean, just again,
3: the music supervision on this show is fantastic, but that song choice in particular was just completely unexpected in every possible way. And what a way to open an episode with that. Absolutely. Um, Because you can also picture Martin playing that song in his head, like getting through his day,
2: like (laughs) just another day.
3: Another day, another dollar.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that song really... Encompassed Martin's sass that just like shines through in like all of his commentary. It was odd at first, but it was weirdly fitting. I don't know. I enjoyed it.
3: And that wasn't the only music moment either, because we also have Midnight Rider playing on this episode, which was just a re- again like just this show does such a great job of picking like the exact right music for the moment. And I felt like both those songs, for wildly separate reasons, really fit, um, which I enjoyed. The other little thing to point out is that things are. There's a little bit of jealousy going on between our buddy Martin and Gil, because this is one of the first times that we've really gotten to see them in each other's element. You know, Gil's trying to solve this case, which is his typical thing. And they're in Claremont, which is Martin's territory. I mean, I was cracking up when they were in the yard together and they're both trying to assert their dominance. It was just fantastic.
0: Yeah, I agree because, and I always love seeing those scenes between them because Lou and Michael Sheen just kill it every time the last time we really saw gill and martin in the same room was when malcolm was kidnapped by the junkyard killer oh yeah so <clears throat> different circumstances so it's interesting when it's not as pressing a case you know they still want to find the murderer but malcolm's not being you know held captive in his own house so
2: i think it's really interesting to see their dynamic like Jules said outside of the situation where they kind of had to you know band together because Martin's like alluded to it before that he really harbors some resentment towards Gil because he feels like he stepped into his role after Martin went to prison um and I think we saw some of that old those old feelings like crop up especially when you mentioned Jess I was like oh no (laughs)
3: Ooh. <laughs> especially because it's a bad time for gil and jessica's relationship too so it's like poking at that sore spot because martin doesn't even know what's been going down with those two so it was even worse in that moment when he was talking about it and you were kind of like oh no
1: yeah i i feel the same way as kennedy like just the like when you saw martin for the first time at at claremont at, like during the case, it was like, "Oh, great, not him again." And when Martin called him Gilly, it was like he was acting like Gil was his friend and being all sassy with him. And then when he brought up Jess, it showed that he was like slight, like slightly jealous of him. Like not just because of the fact that he kind of stepped into the fatherly role in, in Malcolm's life, but also that he is now kind of taken his way from him
2: as well. Okay, this is kind of going off like in a separate direction, but what Megan said reminded me of it. I think it's so funny how Martin just like instantly acts like the whole team. He's like buddy-buddy with them, especially (laughs) we talk out with Danny and they don't like him. They don't like him. It's the funniest thing ever.
3: I mean, we say they don't like him, but one member of the team who almost had a bit of a fangirl moment was Idrissa, Which was so cute and funny. But at the same time, it was like Idrisa. Let's think about it. It was was exactly (laughs) when Gil turns to her and he goes, Idrisa, he's killed 23 people. And she just kind of goes, oh like right like I forgot that's why he was here (laughs) like but it's funny because she almost has the same relationship with Martin as she does with Malcolm like they're both geeking out over the same things she's talking about this article in the Lancet that she read like it's just it's funny I mean what did you guys think of that moment because I I don't know I want to spin off immediately
0: um I thought it was hilarious again this podcast has you know again and again we've talked about our admiration for Kiko and Adresa, just the character in itself and how she does it. And this is just another example of how great she does. She, I just love the, okay, I'm going to act cool. Okay. And she like, you know, she likes talks different. She's like, so uh, the victim, like just in a totally just different um, than she normally would when she, if, you know, if she's talking to Gail or whatever, um. but how she's starstruck over a serial killer, it just cracks me up to no end. And I love it every time.
2: First of all, I said it before during the live tweets. I'll say it again. We need an Adresa Martin buddy comedy. We need the spin off <laughs> right now, right now. Something that I was thinking about during like their interaction is like how different her reaction to meeting Jessica was versus Martin, which was really interesting because, I mean, obviously she and Jessica met like in, that was like the murder ballet episode, if I'm not mistaken. So it was like kind of different circumstances, but she was like nervous, like, oh, I got to. I got to, you know, like button up and stuff. And I feel like yeah. she could just kind of let herself go with Martin, which, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. But um, yeah, it's kind of reminiscent of the dynamic that she has with Malcolm.
1: And with it being Idrissa, it didn't really surprise me that she was <laughs> geeking out over Martin just because of everything that, that she loves and everything that that he's done, you know, other than kill 23 people. but. I, I do like how she just geeking out over everything like she would like like she would with Malcolm with Martin.
3: Oh absolutely and it's just one of the funniest things about her as a character is how she manages to relate to all these people and I mean on some level it's kind of cute that she doesn't judge at the same time. <laughs> you should probably judge a little bit harder when we're talking about a serial killer.
2: I think that like it needs to be recognized kiko can play off of like any other actor on that show so well her dynamic with literally any other character you throw her in a scene and she just instantly lights up the shot i just wanted to point that out she's great we love her
3: definitely and of course those moments weren't the only funny moments that we had happen in this episode I mean, th- there were just a lot of really funny lines, a lot of really like witty little asides that were thrown in there. My personal favorite is definitely definitely the little throwaway line about Scotch being hidden in Ainsley's dollhouse because it's so on brand and you absolutely expect it from her. <laughs> but it's just very funny. Um, that was a good one. Um, I'm trying to think of a few others. What what were some of your favorite lines from this episode? Because there were just a couple of really funny little one-liners.
0: Um, I really liked... Well, because Brianna, who was on the podcast last week and is, was uh, in the first episode, I believe, she actually tweeted out that, I think she retweeted something that Tom Payne had tweeted out about the him drinking the Alka-Seltzer and it not being scripted. And then Ainsley's yeah. improv after that, like all of that was improv And I love moments like that. Um, Her just like, come on, let's go. Like any improv I love, I just think it's great. And actors know their characters in that moment. And- some of the best stuff actually comes out from improv. We've seen that in movies and um, TV shows. So I'm trying to think of any other lines. Gil cracked me up this episode too. And I tweeted that out as well. Um, what you had already said, Jules, about, you know, he killed 23 people. Or the, you know, don't don't get close to the psychopath. You know, keep your distance. Just, it's great. I love Gil so much, as I've already stated. But I'll just state it again because, you know, why not? <laughs>
2: Um, first of all, piggybacking off of what Kaylee said, I need a chug gif immediately. It was hilarious. That needs to somebody hook us up with a gif, please. But um, one thing that I found really funny was some of the one liners that got thrown around during the, the group therapy scene, especially yes. that little tidbit where They tried to insinuate that Malcolm had a hand fetish after they were talking about like him (laughs) chopping that guy's hand off with an axe and like hammering his thumb to get away from the junkyard killer. And that was just one of those little throwaway lines that I feel like it didn't get enough credit.
3: And those actors are all just so good. Group therapy in general is one of my favorite little um, recurring bits that we kind of get from Prodigal Son because we also get to see Martin interacting with other people who are, I don't want to say on his level because that sounds like a positive thing, but other people who kind of have gone through the same struggle he has, you know, controlling their urges. And this week, especially that scene is crazy because we got that great argument between Malcolm and Martin that may or may not be fake I mean what did you guys think did, did you think that that was a real argument or did you think that that was something that was being fake
2: I think that they were acting I remember watching it and being like oh are they you know kind of playing out a scene right now but at the same time I think that you could tell that Malcolm had some genuine feelings behind that little spiel that he let out and you know we kind of alluded to that not alluded that's the wrong word but anyway um they would like revisited that when they had that scene in Mm. martin's cell when he was like yelling and you know they kind of stepped to stepped up to the line and were having that big blowout argument you have to compliment tom Payne. Mm. there's so many layers to his performance especially him and martin like playing off of each other him and michael i guess um that's like five i think that's
3: the fifth time count does that (laughs) That count Oh, we're counting
0: it. It's (laughs) counting, yes. (laughs) It's It's being counted.
3: Yeah, their performance together is always fantastic.
0: Going off of Kennedy, I definitely thought it was real. There are some things you just can't fake. Whether they played it up a little bit to try and get a reaction from the other group members, I think it was real. Because even Martin was like, oh, so in group therapy... that, you know, what you were saying to get the other group members riled up was real when they had that moment, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, um, so I, I definitely think there were some real emotions going on in there.
3: And like you said, that does definitely come back up later when they have that discussion about Jerry and... Whether or not Martin was or was not involved in killing Jerry, I know that we we pinned it on someone. I don't necessarily feel super confident that he wasn't involved at least a little bit. Um, but that was another discussion that was interesting because again, it's the line that Martin won't cross is hurting his kid, um, and he's talking about how Malcolm essentially ruined his life, and that's a pretty strong emotion from a guy who normally you know acts like Malcolm can do no wrong in many ways, even when he has. Um, and that scene was so good too because I mean I, I just love their dynamic together, but I also kind of like when we get to see scary Martin I don't know if you guys feel the same way but like sometimes it's nice to be reminded that this man is capable of killing 23 people because most of the time we're just laughing with him
0: I was in shock, but as a a thespian um <laughs> You did as not, a you did not resident the word thespian. thespian, I sure did. So, if anybody's watching you and you're a thespian, tag us at Call for Backup oh Pot. Um,
1: wow. <laughs> um
0: But as a resident thespian, I think, Jules, you're a resident thespian as well. I am a, a resident thespian.
3: Kid. I do not refer to myself as
0: a thespian. <laughs> hey, I am in the International Thespian Society, all right, for life. <laughs> Hashtag for life. <laughs> um, anyway, my point was that having an appreciation for acting like that, I appreciate how they gave it their all for this scene. Both him, um, Michael Sheen, and uh, Tom Payne. They both just gave it their all. And you can see that. It's evident, clearly. I was a little scared of Martin um, because he just switched back to like, you know, he's like, I, I, if I hated you, you know, because you ruined my life, but I don't and It just came back to him. I was like, okay, that's frightening, but amazing. So that's where my thoughts were.
2: Michael Sheen definitely blew that one out of the park. I, I said during the live tweets, his ability to switch emotions, like at the drop of a hat is just absolutely phenomenal. And as we've said over and over again, him and Tom play off of each other just so well. Um, <laughs> Did anyone else notice his little Welsh accent coming out during? <laughs> yes,
3: and he and Tom both did. do it when they do angry scenes. That's when you can hear them drop the accent when they're screaming at each other. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because also it tends to happen in scenes where it's the two of them together. So I feel like it's like their natural accents are just dying to come out. And then the anger just takes it up a notch. But yes, I definitely did notice that. And it was very funny. So the end of this episode has so many different things going on. We got to break it down into parts. We got to take this one bit at a time. First thing that we absolutely have to talk about is Martin's escape plan almost, almost coming true. I mean, he was literally one foot out the door. Um, and this whole episode we've been dropping hints. We have the magical golden key card, which I keep referring to as the golden ticket because how can you not? Um, <laughs> that he was so close to escaping, he was so close. And he didn't do it. I mean, what did you guys think? Were you Did you think he would choose Malcolm or Escape?
2: I honestly was not sure, like in the moment, like the way they had it set up when, you know, he was like eyeballing the key card on the ground. I was like, is he really going to leave Malcolm there? But then at the same time, his whole point of Escape was so that he could be closer to Malcolm because he felt like he was drifting away from him. But I wanted to bring something up that Brianna had said to me. Do y'all think that he has the other key card? Because Rhonda, if you remember, had another gold key card. Martin is honestly smart enough to like recognize that Malcolm is not gonna let me keep this. So let me just like hide this one in my pocket or something like that in his in his little stealth jacket and just like kind of give Malcolm the other one.
3: I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him this is Martin Whitley we're talking about here. Um, I also don't notice things like that though. That's the sort of thing that like the writers would write something like that in and then four episodes later pay it off. And I would be like, Whoa, when did he do that? And I just would never have seen it. So, but I wouldn't put it past him.
0: Absolutely not. I thought that, well, I actually, I agree with Kennedy. I think I was really on the fence. I was like, is he going to help his son who is being tased? Eight, <laughs> eight times <laughs> we did <eight> count times. <laughs> yeah but just like constantly like you heard him in pain too so I'm like as a father I'm clearly not a father um but I can imagine as a father <laughs> you would hearing your son your child in pain like that I'm surprised he took as long as he did honestly but I think his motivation for getting out was stronger at that moment but then he was like <laughs> dang it i'm a dad i gotta go help my kid (laughs) like he's in trouble um i was honestly though i was worried i was i was concerned i thought he was gonna hit the road and be like peace out son sorry if you have a heart attack from how much electricity is being just plunged into your body by this taser so
3: because they just had a fight too and i think that that was an interesting setup because normally i would just say no martin would definitely stay and be there for malcolm but we just have that moment where they just fought about that. And Martin just said that he gave up everything for his son and everything. So when you're looking at him standing there and making that decision, it really did go through my mind. He might leave him here. This might be the start of a new relationship between these two. Um, But then of course he, he did save the day with some assistance from Danny, I might add in what is, possibly the most underrated team-up of the episode, <laughs> Danny and Martin. Just absolutely hilarious. What did you guys think seeing those two characters together?
0: I thought it was hilarious. Martin's like, yeah, Danny's my new friend. She's like, if you touch me again, I will blow your head off. Like, Just like, don't touch me ever again. And when he was like looming over her, just like this like dark presence, like that would creep me out. But I thought he was going to do something to her, like knock her out and then just peace out and leave Malcolm to just, like I said, get tased eight times. But I thought it was hilarious. And I kind of hope to see more of their teamwork some in some <laughs> episodes later in the season. So we'll find out.
3: Their, their little team up there. It's like a villain mm-hmm. teaming up with another. It, it was just so funny to see because Danny yeah. can handle herself so well. So oh, yeah, to put sure. those two characters together... It, it was going to be hilarious no matter what, mm-hmm. and I know one of my, one of my favorite lines in the whole episode is when he starts trying to read the Miranda rights to
0: Veronta. <laughs> She's like, like don't, don't, "Don't do that!" Do that. Don't. And he's like, "No." <laughs> he's not, like, "You're don't. a killer." I do that, thanks.
3: <laughs> and of course, a character we have to highlight because much like Adresa, he's one of our favorite sort of recurring characters, and I he, he was in genuine peril a few times in this episode. And I will say it again, but Mr. David. Oh the, good the old David. MVP, <laughs> our our favorite buddy, maybe possibly Martin Whitley's only friend, which is both sad and somewhat comforting. I mean, what did you guys think of his moments this episode? I feel like the writers are giving him a lot more to do lately, and I'm I'm absolutely here for it.
2: Mr. David steals the show anytime he is on screen for absolutely no reason at all. And it is my favorite thing ever because he really doesn't have that many lines, but it's just his little subtle facial facial expressions when you know Martin's being Martin. And I think that the writers are giving
0: him more lines because they're listening to our podcast. So thank you, prodigal <laughs> sun writers. I think he knows Martin better than anyone at this point because he's been around him the most literally every day. Um I could argue more than Malcolm. I don't know. I think there is just so much we don't know about Mr. David. And I would love, love to see more of him and his, how he really feels about Martin. I think that would be so funny. Again, a Mr. David focused episode. I would love that.
3: And we've been talking for weeks on this podcast about having a, an episode at Claremont that's more about Martin's day in the life. And we kind of got that in those three minutes with Destiny's Child. And I just, I want more and I want more Mr. David because they're both amazing characters and they're very funny together. And of course we also have to talk about the villain of the week, which I feel like almost kind of took a back seat because we had such big revelations at the end of the episode. Um, but Rhonda was something. And it was it was interesting to realize that Claremont has a women's ward. Rest in peace to Jerry. One Dear of our Bear. favorite Jerry Bear, who we knew was not long for this world, the second he started provoking the serial killers about being released,
0: <laughs> which was the worst thing he could have done.
2: Read um, the room, Jerry. Read the room. Really,
0: read the room. No, come on, Jerry Bear. <laughs> Don't start talking
3: about lobsters when everybody else is stuck in Claremont. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it was it was it was a really good case of the week. I feel like because it involved so many of our characters that we loved. And of course, another fantastic Martin line when they get down to the basement, and he just goes, "Oh yeah, this is a good place for a murder." <laughs> that was just, again, not appreciating the gravity of the situation, and mostly just looking for atmosphere.
0: Can I just say? I know we're kind of backpedaling a little bit, but I loved Martin's. Oh no, not Jerry <laughs> when he fell off in the, the most roof. deadpan
2: voice ever.
0: Honestly, I what was what we cracking were all thinking.
2: <laughs>
0: I was laughing so hard, just. Oh, no not cherry <laughs> like oh rats i guess he can't get out now <laughs> trying Man. to sound
1: so sincere
0: right and he just <laughs> didn't even flinch just not like oh my god somebody just fell off the roof like <gasps> call for you know call for backup um... <laughs> <laughs> and that we do have to say
3: not to plug the name of our own podcast but our friend malcolm whitley did something incredible this week. He called for backup appropriate.
1: He did. A round
0: of applause <laughs> for Malcolm up. Bright. Yeah. A round of applause for our, for our resident hero. Now, Even
3: though did it was he, a little late. It was a little late. <laughs> a little bit. And, and he did not necessarily wait for backup.
1: Oh,
2: he's no, learning. He's charged in.
1: He is learning. He checked in props. and let them
3: know.
1: But I, At least he called. <laughs> yeah. You know, You're right. We're that is a step somewhere. up from not calling at all. He's we all
3: make mistakes. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) He still got tased eight times though, so some more more than others. He makes but (laughs) and some just go off and almost get murdered (laughs) with their with their serial killer serial killer father. You know you've
3: messed up when all the killers are coming after you. (laughs) And speaking of sort of epic screw ups by Malcolm, of which there are many. One of his past mistakes kind of ended up haunting him in this episode because of two separate things happening at the same time that collided at the end, which is Ainsley slowly but surely realizing that something is off about the night that she doesn't remember, and Jessica also slowly but surely realizing that something is off about the night that nobody else seems to want to tell her the straight story on.
2: The jig is up because Jessica has been suspicious this whole time, this entire time, and Honestly, I don't know why they thought, I was surprised that they let her know this early on in the season, I guess, but it also makes sense because she knows her children, she knows when they're acting shifty, and they've both been off this entire time, Ainsley, in a less noticeable way, but still you can tell that something is not exactly right, and I just want to say that I called (laughs) it a couple weeks ago, that Ainsley was going to crack, and here we are today, Look, it's happening.
0: Kennedy I'm right there with you girl we called it she was gonna crack and she cracked um and I have to like like you were saying Jessica knows her kids like she raised them you know she knows they're just like Malcolm can profile so can she you know what I mean she can profile her own kids so you know when she called Martin and was like hey I think our kids are covering up some story he's like how could our kids roll up this dead guy and send him to Estonia Right, we keep getting the name of the country wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Estonia,
3: but mm, okay. it's, it's it is it's, Estonia. A, it's it's okay, a, a random
0: Eastern <laughs> European country.
2: <laughs> okay, <It's> Estonia. <laughs> I promise.
0: But um, <laughs> just and one thing I do want to point out though, I do have to give credit to Malcolm for his protectiveness of Ainsley. I tweeted it out. I think um, at Kaylee Gross. If you want to check it out, um, <laughs> self plug. Wow, hey, got this. Okay, if if this shows anything, <laughs> it's a plug. Okay, <laughs> shameless plugs,
1: honestly, and beyond plugs and beyond. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I oh. have to give credit from to Malcolm. I think that he is Ainsley's father figure in her life when Martin wasn't really around so he feels like it's his job um to protect her and this is just one of those things so I think he had a really hard time admitting to Jessica when he was caught when they she found the blood on the book and really just in a Jessica fashion where she just picks up the silver platter thing is like her theatrical. <laughs> I know it's um, so dramatic I know <laughs> But I think he had a hard time being like, I'm trying to protect our family. Please keep it a secret. Like, I'm doing this for Ainsley. You know, she was like, oh, my God, Ainsley did it. He's like, she doesn't know. Like, so please just I'm protecting her and I need you to protect her, too.
1: Yeah, I, I do agree. Like, I love how towards the end when the, Malcolm and Jessica were talking and she was trying to get him, to tell, him the, to tell her the the truth when she when he kept saying that it was him and just knew that he was lying and then it also went back to a scene with Ainsley going through Martin's journal and then just seeing that like she's starting to actually remember what happened and maybe even turning into her father a little bit as well.
2: I think it's really interesting how the writers kind of flip the script you know the whole show is about Malcolm trying to like separate that part of himself that you know he's connected to his father and All throughout season one, we weren't really paying attention to, you know, the little clues that they, they honestly were leaving clues that Ainsley, you know, might not be quite right either. But um, one thing that I wanted to ask y'all is, do you think Jessica can keep a secret? Because I, I'm not really convinced. I just, I'm not sure about it.
3: When it comes to her kids and protecting her kids, I think yes. However i don't know i don't know i i I think if it means
0: ainsley being okay yeah i think she can do it well because we saw at the end of the episode that she well because ainsley had like a nightmare and she came into jessica's room and they were like laying there Mm -hmm. which was really sweet moment i have to say but jessica had just her eyes Mm -hmm. and just she almost was like scared of ainsley because we know that her rug had to be Shipped off somewhere, thrown in the garbage. Which I also will have to say, I called the rug thing too. Thank you very much. Kaylee did. Um, she did the rug thing. <laughs> credit where credit's due. Honestly, this is this is kind of a theory, but I think that Jessica will confide in somebody because either talk about it continually with Malcolm or Gil. Mm. Something to think about.
2: Did anybody think? Okay, so we we got one of those synopses synopsises i i'm not sure <laughs>
0: Synopsis. <laughs> Synopsi. um,
2: for one of the upcoming episodes that a, a government a law enforcement agent agent person police person from europe is going to be coming and conducting an investigation did anybody think that the rug guy the the designer guy was like interpol or something i was like <laughs> wait
0: <laughs> so kennedy the person that's gonna play that is actually alan cumming um cummings is it coming oh god it's coming <laughs> Coming. No okay. Okay. I know. I always. Out. I'm so sorry, Mister Coming, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but he's actually he's actually playing the officer that investigates the whole Endicott thing. So, but I was a little worried. He was like, you know, you did it or something. You know, where's the rug? And he's like, oh, uh. <laughs> like who are you, random person? Do I have to kill you? Do like I don't want to. <laughs>
3: Can we talk about the amount of wine you would conceivably have to spill on a rug That's for, for, to throw away the rug? I mean, listen, this is a criminal profiler who is an expert at, you know, solving crime, doing all this stuff. You would think he could come up with a slightly more convincing lie. I mean, just <laughs> I mean, you'd have to spill more than a bottle onto a rug like that to justify throwing it away. I, I don't know. I feel like that should have been the first tip off to everybody that something was
0: horribly wrong this is what i'm saying i would have been like hmm.
2: <laughs> malcolm mm. is not very good at lying his way through the situation for being a profiler oh, who is working right. right. like, this
0: work and like he's, work. he's he's I'm been like, trained good. by the fbi like come on dude you gotta do better than that
2: <laughs> for real.
0: girl, girl. girl. because there was that
3: side of the episode you know talking about Jessica and her reaction to it and like you guys were saying I think that scene at the end where she's lying in bed with Ainsley is just so perfectly played because Ainsley Mm -hmm. still doesn't really remember so she's kind of still the innocent girl that we know and love but then you see Jessica just lying there like I can't believe that this is happening
0: well she even said like I remember blood being on me in my hands and he's Mm -hmm. like don't worry about it like I did it like you were trying to resuscitate him which I thought was a great cover in the moment for Malcolm I mean, although the story yeah. kind of fell through with Jessica, at least with Ainsley's peace of mind, like, oh, you were trying to help him. But obviously, I think we're going to see that she keeps remembering things and she's going to find out. And and she even, I want to point out, she even went to Martin and was like, hey, um, he's not telling me the whole truth. So what is the truth? I, she needs to know.
2: The fact that she is like actively seeking out Martin's advice, both in person, which you know, she hasn't really visited him outside of like I think she was there when when Malcolm got kidnapped and when she was running her news story the fact that she's turning to him now and that she's you know going through his journals and stuff I just don't really think that bodes well for the future we already see her beginning to crack I don't know I just think because dude we are so screwed
3: She already says that she thinks she's going insane, which is not a great, not a
0: great self-perspective to have. Do you think if Malcolm had just been honest with her from the get-go, that she could have by this point have sort of come to terms with it and tried to get on with her life? Not get on with her life. That sounds bad, but you know what I'm saying? Like move on from this, you know, mm-hmm. this this is what happened. So that way she's not. Having these, you know, trying to look for these answers, and yeah. I feel like it's bringing it all up again, and I, it almost like makes it worse at this point. But I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, I don't, obviously don't have experience with how trauma can affect the brain, and you know, some people forget and have that disassociative amnesia, or some people remember. So I, I don't know.
2: Like Kaylee said, we're obviously not experts on any of this, but I honestly don't think that she would have believed him. I think that Ainsley was really like clinging to that notion that she was like innocent in all of this because, you know, stuff yeah, innocent and in finger quotes well, like. i was gonna
0: say well-adjusted whitley <laughs> that was her yeah. whole, like her yeah i'm ainsley whitley the well-adjusted whitley that was like the, her tagline for her character or for her you because
2: know. things things were not adding up like the story was flimsy from the get-go and you know she's like oh i wonder why i don't remember anything i don't like that's also gonna be interesting to see when um you know the investigator shows up because well she does remember now but how is she going to act in those interviews if she's still coming to terms with like, Oh, I, I, I killed him.
3: Mm-hmm. Cause she still doesn't know the full story. And I think what you guys were saying before is right about it potentially being much more harmful for her to just find out on her own. Because the other thing that happened in this episode is that the reaction that other people have had to her has kind of shown her that she can't trust anyone else with this. You know, if she goes to Malcolm for help, which she tried to do, he kind of blows her off and tells her, oh no, no, don't worry about it. Like, don't you think about it, don't worry about anything. She doesn't have anyone that she can honestly say, what happened that night, what's going on? She's an analytical person and she's a person who pulls at loose threads because that's her job. She's a journalist, she's always going for the story. And so she's not gonna let this drop because she's remembering things and seeing things and shes it's not adding up for her, the story isn't adding up. And if we know one thing about Ainsley Whitley, it's that she always gets the story. <laughs>
0: yeah and again you know you know that her and malcolm were related because malcolm was the same way with the girl in the box he was remembering things those repressed memories were coming Mm -hmm. back to the surface and he wouldn't let it go for years and years and nobody believed him so i feel like ainsley's kind of in the same spot right now where she's looking for answers and everyone's like oh no don't worry about it you know it it didn't exist or it it never happened or Mm -hmm. you know this is this is what really happened here's the cover story you know kind of giving her the same treatment as malcolm had so i'm interested to see like i said how and i feel like she's really gonna feel betrayed you know although in her mind yes malcolm and her mom and everybody's protecting her but at the same time maybe she is gonna feel guilty and like maybe i should take responsibility for this you know i did kill somebody and you know although he was a a terrible human being (laughs) you know murder is murder so you know in a court of law it is what it is It's difficult. Yeah. Cause especially what you were saying before. She kind of has these two different ideas
3: of herself is that she's the good girl Whitley who's never done anything. And Mm -hmm. even though she's the daughter of a serial killer, that's never been her identity the way that it has with Malcolm. Exactly. Every everyone was always expecting Malcolm to do this. Nobody was ever expecting Ainsley to do it. And so I think not being able to talk about it and not being able to put words to it and her not really even having a full recollection of what happened is only going to make things worse. Knowing that jessica and martin and malcolm all knew and purposefully basically gaslit her i mean right. that's gonna be that's gonna be a
0: big thing going forward i think, I think I it's think gonna be going devastating yeah, yeah i think it's gonna be devastating for her
3: so then moving into our theories portion which we've already uh, kind of started to do a little bit but Sorry. does anyone have any <laughs> no no i mean this is great discussion. <laughs> But do we have any theories going forward? Does this does this complicate Kaylee's previous theory that Ainsley has adopted? Do, do we still think
0: that? I think I was going out on a limb. I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep. We're gonna keep it pinned to the podcast theory board. Um. I don't. I'm. I my theories have really consisted of Ainsley, but I have a new theory that I'm gonna run by you. It it still has to do with Ainsley, but Ainsley and Gill. Um, Kind of what I mentioned a little bit earlier about Jessica confiding in someone, I wonder if she confides (laughs) in Gil to maybe ask his advice like, this is what happened, this is what my kids did, they covered up a a murder, like, how could I help them? I'm curious to see if she she does confide in Gil as well to see if he would help them, but I don't know, I don't know if he's going to cross that line for them.
2: I'm, so I just don't really know how the team is going to find out because- they are going to find out at some point. And I do think Mm -hmm. it's going to be through Gil, but I'm just not actually sure, like who's going to be the Whitley to tell him because all three of them have like a relationship with him, even though, you know, him and Jessica are kind of on the rocks right now. But um, I can totally see Jessica, like going to Gil in desperation and being like, I need you to help me like help our little family. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm just, It's it's going to be bad when everyone finds out. And I'm really curious to know if the team is going to help cover it up because, you know, they are detectives, but Endicott was also like a shady dude and tried to kill Gil. So I don't know.
3: No one likes Endicott, which is why we keep (laughs) justifying his murder.
2: We're
0: like, yes, Ainsley. It's
3: fine. it's fine don't worry
0: about it <laughs> i know and another thing kennedy too what if when alan Cumming comes to the show as the um investigative officer from europe that investigates indicott's murder i wonder if gill looking through all the evidence figures out like maybe what mm-hmm. jessica did as well like there is something that malcolm had missed you know in, in cleaning up the scene or um if he just, you know, in reviewing the evidence, figures it out himself and goes to Malcolm and is like, "What did you do?"
1: So I I do think that Anzie is going to feel very betrayed once she she finds out, whenever that will be. But it also makes me wonder if J- Jessica is going to break and not just tell someone; she'll just, and un- she'll just tell the first person she sees. Because she'll be she might hold it in for as long as she can. And then she'll just either confide in Gil or just or she'll just have like a mental breakdown.
2: Going back to what I said, I think it's important to point out that Gil has shown them like leniency in the past and not just I mean, obviously like you know, he's close with them, but Mm -hmm. when they thought that Malcolm murdered Eddie he was fully prepared to let him run so if he does find out i'm not i'm not convinced at least that he's actually going to you know take steps to like prosecute them for their roles and you know everything that went down
0: well and that too kennedy when malcolm was the one that actually stabbed martin in at claremont remember and jessica kind of covered for it that kind of like was swept under the rug rug um so to speak <laughs> sorry i'm thinking... <laughs> and beyond i have to i puns have to on his back I... puns plugs you know and beyond <laughs> this is what it is <laughs> um but i think you're right i th- gill is a good guy and we know that he's a good cop so that's not that's not in question i think it's just how far is he willing to go because this is a, a teensy bit more violent and bigger and it, and it's crossing state lines and country lines really. So I think it's just, it's going to be, if he wants to help, it's going to be harder for him to help because it's not just NYPD involved. It's there's more, there's more to it than that.
3: I don't know if I'm convinced necessarily that Jessica is going to talk about this. I don't know because part of me just thinks her mother bear instincts are going to be greater than her instinct to talk. And I also think that she's going to need some time to process this. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know that she's going to know what to do right away or even address it right away because think about it too. She's been living full-time with Ainsley because within the world of the show, they quarantined together. So they quarantined Mm -hmm. together for like, what, months after that murder? So now she's sitting there and thinking, I have been living, this is the second time now that I've lived under the same roof as somebody who is capable of of murder and not known it because, you know, Mm -hmm. she didn't know anything that was going on with Martin, obviously. And then she didn't know this was going on with Ainsley. And I mean, not that Jessica hasn't not known what was going on with Ainsley before, because as we've seen, there have been times where she sort of ignored that whole situation. But to look next to you and see this person who is blissfully unaware that they brutally murdered a guy. I mean, that that does something to you. And then when it's your own daughter who you've never thought to worry about before, and you're now probably examining everything you've ever done thinking, what did I do wrong?
0: Where did I go wrong here? I was just going to say, Jules, you brought up a really good point. I think she's going to harbor a lot of guilt Mm -hmm. that she focused a lot of her attention on Malcolm because he had more evidence effects of, you know, from his childhood, you know, finding the girl in the box and going on the camping trip with Martin and then turning his own dad in and, you know, going to therapy and the hand trimmer and all of that. So, and even we saw in his high school, you know, he was no short of a shortage of trauma there either. So I think, like I said, she's going to harbor a lot of guilt focusing on Malcolm more and not Ainsley because she's like, oh, she's not showing anything. She's not showing any, you know, any signs of mental illness. So she's good. She's in the clear. But we know that to be true in our real lives that that's not always the case. People can hide things really, really well.
2: Okay, this is like, so not the point. But do y'all think this is going to have repercussions on on Jessica and Gil's, will they won't they relationship i know I that's so. like not the point like somebody is dead but I
3: mean, like, a man we hated is dead
0: oh no <laughs> so sad poor nicholas endicott really oh no not man. nicholas
2: endicott <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about where they are <laughs> where they were at jessica was already in this place where she was like i can't trust myself around gil mm-hmm. like i'm cursed So much is going on in the family, like bad luck follows me around. So, I mean, this is really probably just adding on to that. I'm honestly worried about Jessica, like just for her like mental health, because they're all going through a lot. Um, Maybe they need to take a family trip to the therapist. I don't know.
3: That therapist wouldn't get paid enough. The person running (laughs) family therapy for the Whitley's as a collective group. Oh, my Lord.
0: (laughs) There's not enough money in the world. They better block out like better do like a weekend <laughs> retreat. <laughs> just like it's it's one session is not enough. It's got to be like a continuous thing. At least one day, two days max. Oh my god! Or no, at the least, I mean,
3: I would say max just because that poor therapist might be ready.
0: to Oh god! Yeah, they <laughs> would need her a break. Their therapist is the end of it. <laughs> Their therapist. are like, needs let a me tell you, <laughs> without you know violating, um, therapist patient confidentiality but you know they gotta get some stuff off their chest too therapists you know therapists matter too guys all right any final thoughts for the episode guys it was one of my favorites i have to say probably in the top five top three
2: yeah this has definitely been my favorite episode so far so much happened but it was so well done
3: And now it is time for one of our favorite segments. We call it the Malcolm Danger Count.
1: Warning. Warning. Malcolm Danger.
3: Where we go over the many bad decisions made by our beloved Malcolm Bright, best profiler, but uh impulsive as heck, as the kids would say. So we have one brief thing to go over before we get into this episode's episode count before we get into this episode's danger count which is that Kaylee went back to season 1 and did a season 1 danger count and Kaylee would you like to tell the people how
0: high the danger count was for season 1 Of course Jules uh <laughs> I feel like a news reporter like <laughs> you're like <laughs> um yes yeah, so um last season we well actually over the summer, um, I think we already mentioned this, but quickly we did a rewatch of season one um mm-hmm. up until December. So it took quite a bit of time. But we wrote an article on nerdsbeyond.com, uh nerds rewatch protocol was the hashtag. And for each article, we had a danger count at the bottom. So I went back through each article and counted up um for the whole season. I had to guesstimate here and there because not every article had a danger count, but Drum roll, please. (laughs) I would try to insert one, but I can't. (laughs) I'll define one. Drum roll. So it was 54 and a half for Malcolm's (laughs) danger count, which is hefty for 20 episodes. But I don't know, we're already pretty high for what, three episodes now going into four? So, Jules, how many did we have this episode? So
3: this episode, we had three. So, so far on the season, up until this episode, we had had nine. And for this episode, we have three, bringing the grand total to 12. So, you know, we're, we're getting there. It's not going to be as high, but uh, I don't know, Malcolm's still putting himself in danger. So our first main danger count of the episode came during group therapy because only Malcolm Bright would intentionally antagonize a room full of mentally unstable serial killers. Who just, wouldn't, right? just, just just, Malcolm things, really. I mean, the fact that he was going in there with the intention to do that was incredible. And he, he sparks a small riot, too. It's not, like yeah. it, it's not like it ended well. It just ended OK for Malcolm. As usual, he's sort of like the cat that lands on his feet.
2: Yeah, he
0: had to be taken out. And then, you know, so <laughs> we, we count that as a dangerous situation because, again, there was a riot. You know, they're not really mm-hmm. chained up or anything. So we're counting it as a danger count.
3: Absolutely. And then the second danger count that we had kind of a similar idea. And while it's not on the same scale, it's a similar idea. The fact that he also deliberately antagonized Martin and made him angry in their scene together, because again, we don't often see angry Martin, he's usually kind of benign and you forget that he's a mass murderer. Um, But it's moments where he gets angry, that you see that killer come out. Mm -hmm. And he intentionally went after him and, and kind of made him upset so we're, we're counting that I don't know I feel like that was a
0: dangerous. he one. got in his face I was scared yeah. he was gonna like punch him or something I don't know yeah. um but he I, yeah and again I think we talked about it in the discussion portion of this um podcast episode but they push each other's buttons and mm-hmm. Tom Payne and Michael Sheen just killed this whole scene but it was scary and he did get in his face and kind of revealed his serial killer you know side of him so
3: yeah we're
0: counting that as well
3: definitely that is definitely a moment for the danger count and then our last danger count which is sort of again one long scene i mean i guess we could count up individual moments but it really wouldn't be fair is (laughs) malcolm going after Rhonda with a wrench in a dark basement so that's part one of this, right? Because even though he did call for mm-hmm. backup and we gave him appropriate credit for calling yes, for we backup, did. <laughs> he did not wait for backup. That should really be the alternate title of the podcast. Is wait for backup. <laughs> wait for backup. <laughs> it, it's important to call, but it's also important to wait.
0: Um, and not put yourself in dangerous situations.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, just in the dark basement where you don't know where anything is and you don't know where the killer is. So the first mistake is just going after her in the first place. But then, of course, he gets tased eight times we counted and somehow he's still alive which i think you know good for him um because i don't know how you survive through getting taste eight times at close range like that
0: but i mean I'm it's just insane,
3: insane. And, and truly just the perfect example of malcolm like sort of understanding that he needs backup but not having the follow through
0: to wait for backup yeah because Rhonda even said like oh you you had me scared there for a second when he was like oh my dad's down here and i'm his Mm -hmm. son you know i'm the son of the surgeon she's like oh you had me scared there because he didn't come at first because we were talking about it um earlier that you know um he wasn't coming (laughs) he was taking his sweet time (laughs) and danny was well technically martin saved him but then danny came and also saved them both Mm -hmm. so but. You know, he was like just chilling there. So it kind of took a <laughs> while. So he, he didn't have backup for a bit for him to get he did not. tased eight freaking times. Eight <laughs> like, times. oh my god. I feel like the right damage week.
3: they just want to come up with stranger, stranger ways to almost kill Malcolm
0: Bright. Right? Oh my god. Like a bomb in the under the victim, you know, the Black Widow <laughs> thing, then the just everything everything that ever happened right the whole show (laughs) (laughs) so that
3: is our danger count for this week if you think we missed a moment perhaps that we could have included um if you have some thoughts on the danger count be sure to talk to us on twitter we are at call for the number four backup pod on twitter we'd love to hear your thoughts we live tweet every week um so if you want to see us during the episode you can follow along we'll be tweeting from that account
0: as well As a parting note for our podcast, we'll be ending off every episode with a little motivation, or in this case, a moment of reflection that hopefully inspires you as you start your weekend. This week's quote is, Three things cannot be long hidden. The sun, the moon, and the truth. Buddha. Buddha. remember if you ever find yourself trapped in the basement of a creepy hospital with a rage killer who hates your serial killer dad for once be like malcolm and call for backup that's our show for this week be sure to check back next week for another episode and in the meantime you can follow us on our brand new twitter account at call for backup pod that's call the number four backup pod tag us and let us know your thoughts on the episode And as always, follow us at Nerds Beyond for all of your nerdy news.